we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. Hello, Willow. Hello, Sequoia. How's it going today? I'm great. How are you? I'm full of lemon cake. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm doing well. And I noticed you didn't touch your piece of lemon cake, but it's okay. I'm You'll saving have, it for a break. Have it later. I'm saving it for a break. You'll enjoy it. It's good. I'll... I will. I love that shit. Yeah. Lemon, like lemon cake, lemon filling shit is like the only pastry I actually like. Mm-hmm. I yeah. knew that. I knew that. I probably said it because it's a <laughs> it's a character trait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about today's topic. I'm so excited. Yeah, because I know you're a you're a huge science fiction buff. I'm absolutely not. Yeah, I know. I just have to point that out every time it possibly can come up yeah. that you've just never watched fiction in your life. Not a single piece of fiction. I mean, I've I've definitely watched fiction, but I've not like gotten into sci-fi as a genre really or fantasy or yeah. I don't know. Or all the shit that everyone else who's into our podcast is about. Right. I've always erred on the side of looking into like nonfiction accounts or at least f- fiction disguising itself as nonfiction. Yeah. Like that type of stuff. It's interesting you bring that up. Yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, let me ask you, when you think as an outsider, when you think of science fiction, what are some things you think of? Some mm-hmm. themes, some ideas. I think of like big future cities. Okay. Wow. That was really good. That was really great of me. <laughs> <laughs> big future. Big fe- I mean, but you know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. Like the fucking the Jetsons. Or Have like... you ever seen fucking Blade Runner? <laughs> yeah. No. Are you serious? I'm very serious. God damn it. I You've know. Never... Jesus Christ. And like, I would be Philip K. Dick's like number one fan if I had yeah. the attention span to like read it. But I need like audiobook form and I need a jigsaw puzzle to work on while I listen to it. That's it's the only way. <laughs> <laughs> and some FOIA and CIA documents to yeah, peruse right? at the same time. Maybe a couple tabs. We'll see. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah. Well, science fiction's like it's like speculative, right? Yes. It's just speculating on things that might be or could have been. Oh, right. Could possibly Even be. Like, would the Twilight Zone count as science fiction? So, all right. I mean, uh, there are that there are nerds. Sort of... There are nerds throwing their phones out the window right now because people take this shit very seriously. Yeah. What I... science fiction should be? Okay. Now you've got your like. I think Twilight Zone counts. Like Outer Limits. That's kind of it's in the genre. Yeah, I mean, Ish. I'd say that's that's like in the literary genre of uh, weird fiction. You know. Okay, yeah. But some of it is like a dude, you know, in a lead bunker when a bomb drops, mm-hmm. when the bomb drops or something like that. That's definitely, but like a, a gremlin on an airplane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that's right. But all of the ones that have to do with like future tech and stuff. Yeah. And alternative, I don't know, like we're going to a different planet. And yeah. That to me is like 
science fiction because it technology, I guess I equate technology with science. Yes. Yeah. 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 Then it's like, that's, that's usually where like the pop split comes in. And now there's other nerds throwing their phones out the windows and we just mm-hmm. lost solid 75% of our fucking audience. Yeah. I guess I'm, just, I'm giving the layman's um, point of view on, yeah. on what, uh, people think of what the immediate associations are when you think of like sci-fi or well, at least when I think of sci-fi. You know, there's a, in the, there is that split in the community of science fiction too. Mm-hmm. Some people are big Star Wars guys with the fucking space wizards with their laser swords and the force and the magic and the lightning from the hands. And then you've got like Star Trek with a, a utopian society Flying their spaceships, you know, bringing humanity into the galaxy, and like, okay. there's some dumb psychic I, shit. I've never seen like, either, but if I had to pick a camp, I'm going Star Trek. You are definitely a Star Trek person yeah. over a Star Wars person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Star Wars is great because it's like the perfect distillation of like Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. It's like right. the best example of that. And of course, we all know our favorite characters: Fubi Quant, yeah, 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 Opal Doss, yeah, 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 all of those, all yeah. those fun people, all all our friends, yeah, yeah. Like half the sci-fi camp thinks that like science fiction should be grounded in science, in real things, like speculating on what might actually be in the future, the problems that may arise, where we might go if we're on the, you know, the different paths we could take in the future. Very grounded in the here and now. Okay, cool, but it's fiction. So do whatever you want with it. Well, like, they thought these these nerds thought and think and they're nerds. I'm one. It's fine. You know, that si- science fiction has a unique opportunity as a genre to to influence society because it is grounded in reality and speculates on what what could be in the right. future, right? Sort of like that idea of, oh, the Simpsons predicted everything or these people that think that predictive programming is a thing. And it's like, well, well, yeah, because once these ideas are presented out there into the ether and more people have focused on them, they are more likely to then yeah. come to fruition, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like, I mean, that's, you know, um, we like... We're building like mech suits for fucking our military dudes or something now, like the the right. uh, Boston Dynamics, I think. Um, I think that's one of their projects. But like mechs, mech suits were in comic books before exactly. anything, right? Yeah. Like, so it's almost like we think of these things before they become a reality. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, the sci-fi nerds, the hard sci-fi nerds were saying we can do that on purpose. I would agree with them. Right. I think so, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's a split because, like, some people are on the, like, Star Wars side of things. Space was the space fantasy stuff instead of science, hard science fiction, right? Where, you know, Star Wars opens with the yellow text on the black screen. It says, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay, yeah. This is not about something that humanity could possibly get to in the future. This is some crazy shit that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Right. right. With the space wizards and the cities and the dumb names and the forest and all this crazy shit. Right. And back in the day, in like the early mid 20th century, there, there was a there was real contention between these two camps over so where this new genre should go within our reality and stuff like totally outside of our yeah. reality, basically. Yeah. And in 1945, something happened in the world of sci fi when it was a, a new genre that seemed to collapse all those different camps and perhaps collapsing reality itself upon it. Excellent. <laughs> In, I mean, what is reality anyway? It's flimsy. Let's get it out of here. I don't it know. Exist. Now, 
what we're talking about today is a thing called the shaver mystery. Oh, okay. All right. Are you going to guess? Are my armpits shaved? Yes or no? That's the shaver mystery. (laughs) They're not. (laughs) 21st century reboot. Yeah. Neither. 21st century woman. Richard S. Shaver was not. Okay. He, his armpits may or may not have been shaved. I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. He's dead now. Yeah. Shaver, I hardly know her. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. So there was this magazine called Amazing Stories that published a lot of pulp sci-fi shit, pulp. a lot of wacky shit. Where does the term pulp come from? Is it like just- Cheap paper, like- I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. The editor-in-chief of Amazing, of Amazing Stories was this dude named Ray Palmer. You may have heard his name before. I have. Yeah. Ray Palmer was the published the, the editor-in-chief of Amazing Stories. And he also figures into a bunch of different UFO stories and paranormal stories. Cool. Just wow. because at this time, like not only was sci-fi corkboard. Yeah. You know, he definitely gets a spot on the fucking corkboard. Yeah. Cause just like sci-fi was a new genre, speculative bullshit in all these other areas was kind of super new. And Amazing Stories was not just a place for people to get the new genre of hard sci-fi or whatever. It was a place for fucking wackos to get their wacky shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? P- people to get like paranormal stories, the weird, the weirder stuff. And yeah. So like, I don't know, someone picking up weekly world news or yeah, it was like that, but better with like actual, <laughs> Oh, it was authors. an actual sci-fi yeah. fiction magazine, Yeah, but it was just like, it was one of the first ones that was more on the, we'll throw it. We'll, we'll give you everything. We'll give you the star Trek, the star Wars, the, Battlestar right. Galactic, which is just space Mormonism. Uh, but like a place to go to get that flavor of like weirdness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was it was the spot back in the day. Well, <clears throat> starting in 1945 and continuing for a few years, a series of stories show, started showing up in Amazing Stories. These stories were a bit different than everything else. More amazing? More amazing. What they purported to the first thing is they purported to be true. What? Well, that's not so surprising in and of itself. Lots of people say yeah. they're fucking lying about shit, right? Mm-hmm. But this was from the editor of, of Amazing Stories, from Ray Palmer himself, saying, you know, this is really incredible. Yeah. But we've been in contact with this dude. We think he's telling the truth. We've edited his Right. We've edited the stuff he's told us. So he's got the editor's little like stamp of seal of approval. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets a little bit of automatic more credibility than he. Not even a little bit. A ton. Nice. Uh, the first story was filled with annotations from Ray Palmer. Okay. Commenting on this. St- so Ray Palmer's like jutting into the story to, to be like to give his. Yeah. Do you know how. Uh, the secret history of Twin Peaks has the <clears throat> is done in the style of like a dossier that's edited and commented on by other people. Yeah, this might be the first example of that style of fiction. Maybe, yeah, cool. That's one of the things I'm thinking of because this is just like Ray Palmer is just commenting all over this, and the story is a huge hit written by a man named Richard Sharp Shaver. The story, the first story published in 1945, is called. I remember Lemuria. I remember Lemuria. <laughs> God damn it. And I do we we all remember Lemuria, right? That's the fucking that's the sunken continent from Theosophy and the other shit that's like it was named Lemuria because it came before Atlantis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's often yeah. wrapped up in the Atlantis thing and shit. Mm-hmm. 
the survivors from Lemuria became like the rulers of Atlantis. And blah, Some blah, dumb blah, bullshit. Blah, 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 blah. All, all you need to know for now is that he Lemuria is a thing. He fucking remembers it. Atlantis is a, is a thing, right? Like it doesn't matter what. You don't need to know the specifics. You're better off not knowing. <laughs> Save yourself. <laughs> I just read so much of this dumb bullshit. Well, I remember Lemuria in which Richard Sharp Shaver, and that's his actual name. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's better a sharp shaver than a dull shaver. I will that's true. That. Um, I'm pretty proud of that one. It's not like he just handed it right right to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does refer to himself as Dick Shaver a couple of times. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And I didn't even factor that in. Yeah. Richard Sharp Shaver. He even talks about how dumb his name is in the opening yeah. to I Remember Lemuria. Well, this man... Richard Shaver said uh, he had an experience of remembering a past life fucking 12,000 years ago in the underground empire of Lemuria. And he wrote this story in first person as a character named Mutan Mion. Mutan? Mutan Mion. Mutan Mion. Yep. Um, that's Mu-Han. Last name Mion or Mion. Wow. I, yeah. Yeah. It's more dumb Star Wars names. Uh, it's a lot where that stuff comes from because, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a first person Mutan account Mion. of a, a struggle for the, the war over. We're going to tell the whole fucking story later on. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. That's what oh, we're doing boy. Here. Um, I can't wait to hear about Mutan Mion's life in Lemuria. You're going to hear all fucking about it. Well, you're going to hear a little bit of it. I'm going <laughs> to condense it. Yeah. Um, Great. But it was presented as true, and it's fucking ridiculous. And we'll get into how ridiculous it is. But It's true. I remembered it. <coughs> Memories are facts. But it was presented as true. And then what was, what's ha it, you know, instead of just being like the first piece of like postmodern fiction or something in a, on a strange blog or something, right? Some alternate real reality game or anything, mm -hmm. or just disappearing into the ether. It was a huge hit. And so, like people started... People started uh, remembering their lives in Lemuria. They did fucking they? did. Oh yeah, and it deals yes. with it deals with all, like these underground caves and like fucking goblins oh, we've been and here shit before. and uh, weird ascended beings from fucking other places. Yep, yep. Uh, it's some crazy theosophical shit, but it's a bit more. All these people started writing and saying that they had seen things that Richard Shaver's talking about or that Mouton Mion is talking about or whoever's writing different things and they want Whoa. more fucking Shaver stories right and soon like oh. soon every issue has a Shaver story yeah right these people can't get enough of that sharp dick dude they can't and they start they start Shaver mystery clubs like book clubs where people were pondering the Shaver stories and like trying to figure out it's like an everything of what's going on i don't know yeah dude it exactly it's like you get together every every week or every month or whatever yeah no it's, it's not like, like whoa. this isn't the fucking yellow king or yeah. this isn't the fucking king in yellow right yeah um it's not well it might have driven some people crazy but like this is most of the people into this are like they love pondering it and like right. whoa what if or like maybe we could check out a cave aren't we being so cool uh -huh. you know having fun Eventually, every issue of Amazing Stories had to have a Shaver story in it. And then, eventually, it was all only Shaver stories. Okay. And all these more people started fucking writing in and saying it was true. And then some very strange people, uh, we'll get to too, uh, wrote in and said they thought it was true. Now, this is another thing that 
as we brought up on our Injured Cold episode, there's another thing that's in that book, uh, The Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. Mm-hmm. In the same uh, interview about Injured Cold, this the that character Terry Wrist, uh, fucking, it's like it's like very prominently pointed out as like a thing. Okay, go look for this. You know, you know oh. what I mean. Oh yeah, and yeah, like yeah. the way the story's written, yeah. it's like stuck in such a way. I'm like, I need to go. I need to go look for that. Right, and, and you did. I absolutely did. And so, like, is this uh, is this some secret history of the world that Richard Shaver found? Okay, and you say that it's in. Um, that was mentioned in Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is about the connection between occultism and uh, abductees, UFO shit. All this shit. And it's so interesting because the way that Richard Shaver describes the cavern people sometimes, the yeah, Daros. The Darrow. And how, yeah, but they are the Daros collectively. Yeah, the Dar- uh, yeah, a singular Darrow, the yeah. plural Daros. Um, but like he says that they have these mechanical things that are like medicinal sort of like penetrative needles and stuff and he yeah, describes yeah, yeah. These procedures and like yeah tools and equipment that they have that remind me so much of abductee stories absolutely like people describing the procedures that have been done to them when they're abducted and when they absolutely like it's very much that absolutely these stories are fucking weird so that's interesting like they are super fucking strange they're some of the strangest yeah. shit i've ever read in my life but are they a, a secret history of the world? Absolutely not. Richard Schaefer was a madman. Yeah. Are they a map of the mind? They may be a map of... Uh, are we all a part of one cosmic mind? Perhaps. And maybe schizophrenics could tap into it. Uh, so I started looking into this and again realized it's a huge topic. So sometime in the future, I'd like to do a biographical series on Richard Shaver. Yeah, totally. Like the, the dude and try to really figure out where he came from. Mm-hmm. This episode is not that because I decided I wanted to do this like a week ago and there's only so many hours in a day, you know, but we'll get back to Mr. Richard Shaver. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait. Also, just one more thing. He's OK. Um, you know that theory that mountains are just giant tree stumps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He believes that about the Devil's Tower. Oh, Wyoming, word. Which yeah, is, yeah. It was featured in what was it? Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind? Yeah, third Kind? Close Encounters know. of the Third Third Kind was the Steven Spielberg with the... Yeah, that must be it. I've never seen yeah, it, yeah. but I know it wasn't a UFO movie. I've been there. Definitely. I have um, been too. And he says that, like, if it's if that is not a giant tree stump, I will eat my hat. <sighs> I love that expression. Yeah, but I, I also just love that idea that mountains are tree stumps. Well, yeah, so he has, he has a, a strange preoccupation with giant things and yeah. the concept of growth and shit. Um, oh, I love it. It's weird. As a fan of miniature things, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so it's psychologically, it's very interesting. Culturally, it's extremely interesting. Like when it fizzled out in like 1950, it left behind a pretty insane legacy hiding underneath like much of the paranormal and conspiratorial subcultures. He was writing about essentially gray goblin alien things underground uh, two years before Roswell, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, son of this shit happened to then. Roswell happened. Like, this is right when UFOs start showing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or flying saucers rather start showing up. This is mm-hmm. one of the things that's happening right at the same time. And uh, yeah, we're, we're this episode, we're going to talk about the stories, where they fit into the rest of the nonsense. And so we're going to go through some of the Shaver mysteries? Yes, we are. Start with a brief background of, uh, of, of these things. So Ray Palmer. Oh, also 1946. Sorry. Wasn't that like around <laughs> the time of the Babylon workings? 
E, mm, don't want to fuck this up, but I mean, it's close. It's close enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a weird time in general. For weird time in general. I'm not sure. I forget if they did that before or after the war. I looked it up. It's 1946. Oh, shit. Nice. So fits right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fits r- Yeah, it does. It fits, fits right the fuck right in. right in. Like, perfectly in. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember Parsons and Hubbard were sci-fi nerds. Yes. Like, they were... Mem- they met I mean, at the sci-fi Hubbard club. Was a sci-fi author. Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. So they were all reading amazing stories and shit. Yeah. Right. They were. This is then. Cool. And we are, in fact, talking about L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons. We'll get to them next year too. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, before we go any further, we got to do our tarot reading. All right, for Mr. Richard Sharpshaver. Fuck yeah, dude. Trump 14 art. Nice. Which is, um, that's the Thoth deck, Cro- uh, Alistair Crowley's deck. He It's the same card as Temperance, but he changed it to art. But it has the same meaning Interesting. As, as Temperance. And it, it sits in the same position. You know, it's the same card, and it's the... And I mean, first of all, just pulling the art card for Richard Shaver. Boom. We fucking nailed it again. Oh, look yeah. at us go. So so art art or temperance, it comes after like in the you know, in the fool's journey through the through the Trump cards. Card thirteen is death, which is the 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 decay of something turning into the fertile ground, you know, the soil from which things grow. Amazing grow. that you said the word decay because I'm looking at it on my screen now. Yeah. The death Trump is not death. It is things ending so things can grow, Mm -hmm. right? Temperance or uh, art in Crowley's deck. The art card represents the combining of forces into into a thing, right? Temperance doesn't... A lot of people associate temperance with like the temperance movement, which was to ban alcohol, like temper your drinking and shit. But that's not really what it means. Tempering is... uh, like a sword tempered in fire, right? Like that's how you get that shit strong. You make it strong by subjecting it to forces, the transformative forces and shit, right? You turn it into a sharp shaver. You turn it into a fucking sharp shaver. Yeah. yeah. They, well, he's knocked down out of the park real quick. <laughs> well, there are some other things, but we'll talk about that Yeah. later on. It also is the Trump of Sagittarius, which is the astrological sign that represents like adventuring and shit, which is interesting. And he sure did. Allegedly. Maybe no, not he did. Well, but he definitely adventured in he his definitely mind. He definitely did. He definitely his imagination. Did. My God. He yes. He adventured. So Ray Palmer was the guy behind Amazing Stories, right? A legendary publisher, but he's, he ended up falling out of favor with the sci-fi community because of this incident, because of the Shaver mystery. Yeah. Again, those dudes are super self-serious. Well, Ray Palmer got a letter, a letter one day from a man named Richard Sharp Shaver. Letter said, that this this dude, Mr. Uh, Dick Shaver, had discovered an ancient language. It's a phonetic language, meaning it's about the sounds, called Mantong. And this this mother language, or this language was the mother language of all languages on Earth. Uh, and the meanings are derived from how the sounds of syllables sound. So, like, every word has a set of syllables. Yeah. And that sound means a thing in every language. Mm-hmm. So, like, ma or ka, like, if you could see, like... The sound ka or something, right? Any language, no matter what it is, if there's a ka sound, 
there's this meaning to that that's universal to all languages. Right. Well, I'm thinking about how that relates to, you know, like Kabbalah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, like the Hebrew language. Absolutely. That's a super Kabbalistic idea. Yeah. It's just phonetic instead of written or about one language. There are, there's certain, I can't think of a specific example, but there's certain words that they are parsed out like Adam is man in Hebrew. Yeah. Adam. Yep, yep. And then Dom is blood. Yeah. Then Adama is earth or land. Mm. And it's like how I love how blood is sandwiched in between like, I don't know, man and earth. And yeah, dude, don't, that's like, why that shit's so olive, beautiful. Okay. Olive is the, it's the beginning letter of the Hebrew alphabet, right? It yeah. is the beginning. It uh, is yeah. the crown. Kether. Yeah. So it represents like the starting point. So Adama, it begins and ends with the beginning, like, and that is the earth. Jesus Christ. So it's like, it's arranged and almost like this sort, it's like a puzzle almost, but it's on purpose. Like, yeah, yeah. Ah, like, ah, I don't know. The fact that that is the beginning sound. Ah, yeah, yeah. Just like that's, and that is the sound of relief too. Ah. So Ray Palmer gets the Mantong letter, right? Okay. This letter explaining this language Mantong shows up on his fucking desk. And he's like, this is brilliant. I love it. Or Yeah. Okay. He's like, this is wild. And he responds back to him. He sends him a letter back, right? Which is not something that usually happens with crank letters, right? Someone Nowadays, someone fucking sends you a letter that says uh, they've discovered the secret hidden language that you can map any language to and get hidden meaning. Mm-hmm. You don't write back. You don't call back. You don't text back. You don't message back. You leave them alone. You know, it's my policy. Ray Palmer knew that it was his destiny to respond back to Richard Schaefer. I'm sure he's like, I have to. And he sent up a letter saying, like, How'd you learn this, bud? Like, where'd where'd you get this from? This is incredible. And that's when Richard Shaver sent Ray Palmer fucking ten thousand words. Of rambling, crazy shit. Oh, fuck yeah. If you have any rambling, crazy shit. No, don't send it. (laughs) Don't send it. Okay, fine. And this rambling, crazy shit was all about how he got this knowledge of a fucking past life thousands upon thousands of years ago in Lemuria. And Palmer looked at this shit. He was like, this is amazing. And Palmer then edits it, makes it Readable. readable. He rewrites parts and shit. He helps it be a story, mm-hmm. annotates it, and then publishes it as a true story called I Remember Lemuria. And that's how it all started. And now we're going to talk about the story, I Remember Lemuria. Yeah. And like this does start like with Richard Sa- Shaver saying first about how stupid his name is, Sharp Shaver, yeah. you know, and then about how like, I know this is ridiculous. Yeah. If I had read this. I love his all caps thing Mm -hmm. where he's like yet you're told there are no caverns there could not be any antique miracle machinery yeah i myself am to believe that i am the victim of delusions even though i felt the searing rays been tormented by invisible devices seen impossible projections of things that do not exist on earth today like i've touched it all with my own like all in caps too so oh yeah lets you know that like he's serious he's not fucking around yeah. He remembers Lemuria. He remembers it. He's like, listen, listen, I know the psychiatrists think I'm crazy. 
you think I'm crazy. Well, he's also I like, remember. I understand yeah. why you think I'm crazy. Right. Which unfortunately doesn't help really help his case. No. Understanding doesn't. that you're crazy isn't enough to make you yeah. not crazy. Yeah. Well, speaking from experience. Well, you know, let's let's take a look at these stories and let's let's get back to them. Please. Yeah. So I remember Lemuria is not an account of Richard Shaver's story, but a past life or a life of a Atlan. Yeah. Some thousands of years ago. Mumu Murtok. Mutan Mian. Okay. Yeah. He's a struggling shitty painter in uh the land of sub Atlan, which is like the first layer underneath, I guess. Atlan? Atlantis? Sub-Atlan. Something. I'm going to do my best retelling these stories. It's not going to make sense. Even if I I'm with read it. it one for one, it's not going to make sense. I'm with it. We'll I'm just, just get the, this get is just fair warning. Yeah. yeah. So he decided, Mutan decides to stop being a shitty painter and go learn something instead. So he moves to uh, the further underground Tian City. It's T-E-A-N. Tian. Tian City, probably. Yeah, because yeah. Taros and Daros. Yeah, 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 Taeon. And he uses yeah. um, Day and Tay as like roots for a lot of words. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Tay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would, in, in, in Mantong, that would mean like integrative city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesus, I'm losing it already. Yeah, we're learning yeah. this language. <laughs> so Taeon City is home to Atlans. It's probably At- Atlans then. I like Atlans better, so I'm going to say that. They're home to Atlans, which are humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Titans, which are weird, taller, older humanoid things, but sometimes they can have like six arms or be like cool. weird and shit. Oh, I want to be one of their they're, pets. They're super weird. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they keep um, pets? There's some weird slavery sure, hyp- it's in one hypnosis of the shit in here, for sure. Uh, they do run a hypnotic government that is, Fuck. they say yeah. is good. Yeah. Okay, I'm um, into it. And then there's veriforms, what he calls veriforms, which are hybrid people. Whoa. Yeah, so like the... The the love interest here. Uh, oh boy, co-star got to be one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a veriform. There's this with the Titans and stuff. There's this weird obsession he has with growth, as I mentioned earlier. Like the like growing bigger is means you're healthier and shit. And the Titans are gotta really be big. Gotta be the best. Yeah, and you're like more spiritual because it's like everything's made up of this stuff called XD, which is the ashes of healthy suns and stuff. And it's uh, sub-microscopic particles throughout the <laughs> galaxy. It's basically the force. Like when George Lucas jumped the shark with midi chlorians, like the weird cells or fucking bacteria, whatever the fuck that dumb XD? shit was. Midi chlorians in Star Wars. But it's like almost like the same fucking idea where it's like the ashes of dead stars. That's what gives you spiritual power oh and God. shit. I'm just like imagining a, nuts. a bunch of scene kids like sprinkling their little XD emojis like over the land. It's it's EXD, so oh, I don't okay. even know how to pronounce it. It's <laughs> super funny. fucked up. So <laughs> Mutan goes down to Taon City, right? The first thing he does is like, he goes to this like welcome booth that has a video screen and he meets this six armed Titan. Who's like at once super seductive. And like, she's this hot six armed fucking Titan chick. Uh, yeah, and he gets all like the things you could do with six arms. Yeah. 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 And he gets like hypnotized, like romantically hypnotized with it by her. And then she's like, once she got, has him in, in his, in her grasp through the fucking TV, she tells him, Mutan, you must know that like, there's an evil fear that runs through Taeon city. Like, basically, don't succumb to the fear. And he, like, t- talks about it as, like, a force. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I say I'm going to do my best. We're getting weird here. So oh, Through the TV. Yeah, and then she lets him go, and he enters into Taeon City and becomes a, a citizen. He goes he, he he's, goes to, like, the university district, and this is all under fucking yeah. ground. But he's and there's aware like, of the dark forces. 
he's not quite aware yet of what they are. He just got this weird warning about something. Well, he goes to the university and he is looking at some nice paintings and he starts chatting it up with uh, this veriform girl named uh, Arl. 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 She has uh, fawn legs and uh, quite a seductive tail. Cute. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like, they're, you know, they're in love. You know, it's pretty clear right from there. Yeah. She leads him to school and these they starts going to school. He starts learning all the wonderful technologies of the Titans. All this wonderful, like, future Star Wars tech. Like, What's her name again? Arl. Oh, yeah. Arl with fawn legs. But she got girl parts, right? She got girl parts, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick. Yeah, she's sexy. So he's learning all this wonderful technology, all this crazy bullshit. And he senses... The fear that the six-armed lady talked to me, he senses it in his teacher and he like calls him out. He's like, what are you afraid of? And oh, the wow. teacher is like, well, Mutan, wow, you, no one's ever asked the most perfect thing before. Like, you're so smart. I'll just tell you the plot. <laughs> it's not great sci-fi. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. It's kind of fun, but it's, the plotting is mm, much to be desired. It's like, uh, it's like a dream. It's like dream. It's exactly, it's exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, the teacher says, well, yes, Mutan, there is a fear. Here's the thing. New, there's a problem with our son. You see, our son's not young anymore. And new stars. Our her, baby boy's growing up. Yeah. when moving out. The thing is, when the when the Atlans first got to Mu, which is their name for Earth. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the sun was young. And so there's like thousands of years of history before even this shit too. But now, and, and when, a sun, when a star is new, it burns only clean carbon fire just burns carbon. But as it gets older, it starts burning all the radioactive elements and shit. Yeah. And the radioactive It's like when an old person farts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worse than a young person. Oh, it's bad. It's not yeah. good. Um, so now the light coming from our sun, because our sun is aging and dying, yeah. the light is tainted. The uh, And that's what's causing... Well, they're like going underground though, right? Is that why they have to? Is that why some are going underground um, or what? I don't fucking know. Yeah. I don't fucking know. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Sure. Sun's old. Sure. Old so, and poisonous. So the sun is poison. Okay. The sun's evil. And that's what causes aging. It's the radioactivity from burning radium and polonium and all this shit. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is 40s radiation. Yeah. Big concern yeah, right yeah. now. And this is the true cause of aging and death. Just dirty light. And so the people of Mu are planning a migration to a younger, cleaner sun soon. But that's not the cause of the fear of the fear. It's not the evil son. The fear is caused by some force or faction the teacher doesn't know, some shadowy cabal that for some unknown reasons are using evil rays, they just call them rays, to try and stop the migration and keep us trapped here under the poison sun. Right? Whoa. It's fucking, yeah, it just drops this on this dude at school. It's fucking heavy. And now evil rays, evil rays. Yeah. There's like their government. There's like, a, can you see them? No, no. Can you? So it's a lot like the rays and like the I am activity and stuff. Okay. Yeah. And it could just happen to you at any time. Yeah. They got ray generators or something. They whoa, use whoa. the that's, whole technology is ray powered. That's a great mechanism for your mind to create, to make you paranoid at all times. Yeah. Especially like, in 1945. Yeah. You're goddamn right. Invisible radiation rays could hit you at any time. Yeah. And that's like the, the dirty evil rays are, you know, disintegrative versus integrative. Um, uh-huh. and like, they just, they make shit collapse, including your mind. Right. And they can kill you or just disintegrate you. Right. And your thought patterns as well. So, 
after school one night at a dance. So they can jumble your thoughts. Yeah, they could. Well, it just your thoughts get jumbled as a, as a result yeah. of disintegrating, right? So at a dance, right, like a school dance or something, I don't know if these people are supposed to be in college or school because they're like Titan teachers, a chaperone here. Or it's just like square dancing is really big. Yeah, it could be that. In Lemuria, we don't know. Oh, this gun was a, <laughs> this motherfucker was from Detroit. Like that's middle, that's the middle America. Yeah. You know? 1940s Detroit. He was going to some square dances. He knew square all that. Square dancing. You know? uh, barn da- town barn dance. <laughs> I, uh, I love the idea of Lemurians square dancing. It's funny. That's how you open up portals. You do the hoedown, uh, throwdown. Holy shit, I'm sure that is. <gasps> like, honestly. What so- if the demons hit a fucking summoning ritual in the square dance? That would be hilarious. That'd be so I good. I see it. I, f- I love that idea. Like, Don't steal it. <laughs> You just have to shuffle a bit to the north and then to the northeast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> do a do a specific motion right. in a specific direction. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Him, Mouton and Aurel are at, are at this uh, dance, right? And they're dancing with each other. Yeah. And they're just about to kiss for the first time. It's Aww. really heavy. And um, right when they're about to make that sweet hybrid love... That teacher is struck with a death ray. Oh, fuck. Just like through the window. Whoa. Just hits him. And he like, he's getting all got by it and shit. And yeah, just like convulsing, like foaming. Who knows what's happening? He but. still can talk to him and tell like, tell them that they, you know, he gives every dying old dude in every movie ever type of exp- exposition and shit. Closer. Right. Yeah. And tell like, be careful, watch out for the fucking thought readers and shit. Yeah. Because they're all like tele- telepathic and stuff. Their government's sort of run by hypnosis, which they're just like, it's not a bad thing. It's a, it's called the row. It's like yeah. the hypnosis. It's like this, it's the hypnotic power no, of the, of the Titans. You like it. And that's where the name romantic comes from yeah. or the, the word romantic. And uh, the, the people, the citizens are all called Rodite. It's, I'm just like, you shouldn't be this cool with mass, mass hypnosis. It's not that great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so all the kids, all the classmates, as if it's fucking, I mean, does Harry Potter come from this? Because, like, all the all the class kids are like, oh, shit, our teacher just got dead by a death ray that came from somewhere. We also know the secrets. They're going to death ray us, too. We don't know yeah. if they know what we're thinking. We can only assume they're reading our thoughts. So they all, like, look at each other and they're like, we should, we should go take a space taxi to the moon for a moon picnic. Yeah. Right. The <laughs> and they're, and they're just like, read our thoughts. Yes. Let us go to the space taxi to go on a nice picnic on the moon. Right. If only they had their Michael Menken. Right. Yeah. 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 To keep the entities from reading thoughts. Yeah. See, we haven't degressed that far now. We got Menken helmets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so they, all these classmates, there's like five or six of them, I think, maybe more. I don't fucking know. They're going to the space taxi booth and they're all just like thinking, yes, just go into the moon for a picnic. Nothing. Just, they're just like repeatedly thinking Can't it and wait shit. wait for this picnic. They get the taxi. They fly up to the moon. Well, they're on their way to the moon. And then they notice, uh, oh, someone's behind them. And they're like, well, it's just another taxi. But when they don't go to the moon and instead start heading for Venus and Mercury, because they're going to Venus for help. Yeah. They know that their government's fucked. Something's trying to prevent the Great Migration. And so they need help. So they need to go to the civilization on Venus to get some help from... Uh, some other aliens, some Venusians, you know. Cool. And when they go turn towards Venus instead of the moon, they notice that that other taxi is on their tail. And so. They got to go talk to Valiant Thor. Well, yeah. 
I don't know if he shows up exactly. He's a Venusian? I don't know. Yeah, he's a Venusian. Yeah, they yeah, gotta yeah, go yeah. talk to Valiant Thor. Basically, yeah. Um, well, Mouton, he comes up with a great plan. He's like, I'll think something else. And he starts thinking about going to Mercury instead. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, shit, but they're still on our tail. And so in the like worst, egregious, most egregious example of like the Mary Sue syndrome, or like, yeah. do you know what Mary, what Mary Sue is? Uh-huh. Like, just for no good reason, she's the best at everything. Right. Right. It's, it, it is so, so annoying. Um, well, Mouton, he, the thing is space taxis have a governor on them, so they can't go over to certain speed because they're rented after all. Right. You know? So, mm-hmm. but the thing is that governor, it's just like a spring mechanism. That's just too tight for one person to break. So he comes up with the most brilliant plan and it's referenced throughout the rest of this novella about how brilliant this plan is. He takes off his belt. What's the plan? He takes off his belt. And this is going to save them from like this saves the sun them. This saves out. the world. They're going to get to go to the to the new. To where are they going? We'll get to that. We got a long way to go. Okay. All right. Yeah. He takes off his belt. He wraps around the throttle. Where's Arl? Arl's there, right? She's there, and she's like, "Mutan, you're so smart." Fuck yeah, Mutan. Yeah. He, he wraps the belt around the throttle, and then he tells the the three big Martian boys behind him. All right, boys, you're going to need to grab this belt with me and we're going to need to pull with the strength of four men instead of one. And they do. And the mechanism breaks and they go super fast, super, super fast. They go super lightning speed. Yeah, just because he thought to pull the throttle harder. Wow. This is dream logic. Yeah. Okay, cool. They don't, in fact, go to Venus, though, because even though they can go faster, the tail's still on. Do they go to Mercury? They go into deeper space. Oh, to see a race of aliens called the Normen. Are they hot or not? Yes. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So the people of Nor are, they go to the cold, dark planet of Nor that doesn't, that isn't around a sun, I guess. Okay. It's just a dark planet. There's no light, so there's no poison. So they can just grow forever and like get super ancient and wise. And they have a, a feared, like, heroic military of Amazon, of like Amazon warrior women and shit. Of course they do. Of course they do. Because it wouldn't. Our boy Dick, everyone's our boy. He loves these big women. Loves them. Yeah, he really does. They have to come up at least every few pages. Except for Arl, the love interest. She's tiny. Huh. And so is his next love interest in the next story. Interesting. It's like his forbidden love. Yeah, it's something weird. I don't know. I'm not going to because he doesn't see himself as equal to them. They're like big and powerful and he's tiny. And well, that's, small. that's a thing. Like that idea is yeah. literal in this, yeah. in this universe. So that's why they can never be his love interest. Right. But like Arl's, Arl's the best girl. Yeah. You know, but it's, what's really interesting is like describing Nor and like, it's like how clean and dark it is. Right. Hmm. It, there's like the, the idea that the sun is evil is like a, something I've never encountered before. And it's really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. This, the whole thing is like half He's a man dumb. that dwells in darkness. And ha- like quite literally. No, yeah. The darkness like is the good, like, Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So they get to Nor and they meet with uh, Princess Vanu, who's cool. the leader. She's ancient. She's a princess. But she doesn't look ancient, I'm sure. I'm sure she looks young and hot. Well, she looks big. That's how she they can tell that she's ancient, right? Yeah. And she has a magnetism to her. Cool. Like there's this weird hypnotic oh, I love magnetism. That idea of instead of like getting older, you just get bigger. Yeah, no, that's the Growing that's what one of the central ideas that's of these stories. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Aww. But uh, except for our poisonous, the the sun's poisonous rays, that's what causes aging. Yeah. And so around a new sun, 
you just grow forever and get huge and fucking cool and wise and shit. Around an old poisonous sun, instead of growing, you're taking a disintegrative rays instead of integrative rays. So instead of mm-hmm. growing, you decay. Yeah. There's a logic there that I can kind of see, you know? Right. Oh, here's, um, this was a annotation in it, like a note from the editor right around this point. Uh, Ray Palmer writes, the truly interesting factor here is when we consider Mr. Shaver's constant insistence that dark space is full of Titans, Atlans, and Nortans. Nortans, that's what they are. And that they do not visit our world because it is plagued by the sun's poisonous radioactives and is a cause of death. They shun their ancient home, Mu. We, says Shaver, are a quarantined people under an evil sun. Cool. And Mu is us. We yeah, live on- Mu is Earth. But like, this was presented as true. That was like the editor's note. Yeah. Which is like, For we are quarantined. Amazing story. Yeah. yeah. We are a quarantined people under an evil sun. It's like, I can see where this shit has pull. Yeah. You know? I mean, what a, that's so much fun to turn like the sun into the villain. One of the villains. Exactly. Of the like, I love that. Like, I really, really love that. Because if you can make someone kind of creeped out by the sun, then that's cool. Yeah, dude. That's really playing with like pe- people's fears. Absolutely. No, that's excellent. There are some ideas in here that are so fucking good. They really, really are. A lot of it is not written well and shit, but there are some ideas. I mean, shit. Like like when a movie has an excellent concept, mm -hmm. but you watch it and you're like, oh, that was a piece of shit. But the idea was really cool. Most of the ideas are really dumb, but there's some that are bangers, you know, which makes it like most science fiction, honestly. Yeah. It's just extreme in every way. So Princess Vanu in the, on the dark, clean planet, right? She exudes this like crazy powerful hypnosis and she's like, oh, Mutan and Oral, because you were so smart there with that fucking belt trick, like we're going to marry you guys in our Norten integrative marriage and shit. And she puts the both of them, she marries them, puts the both of them in this like tank of like goo, like liquid and straps Uh, electrodes and like wires to them. And they become the same person and like get hit with all this integrative goo and they both grow like a bit taller and like healthier and more robust and they've like been a com- a synthesized person of the two of them that i think was driven by arl but like my god yeah dude it it's gets like in steven universe when people can like, no idea about that reference. blend together and like become they can um merge for like a short period of time and become like a super powerful like hybrid of two people. Yeah, yeah. Two people are like close. They can do that. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that not can... forever, but yeah, yeah. Just when they choose to. Hmm. I wonder if there are any stories before this where that happens. Or if yeah. That, it has to be the first time it happens somewhere. But yeah, so they get married and now they're happily married in love. Great. She also Princess Vanu tells Mutan that the Nortans have come to a decision and they're going to lead their fucking war fleet back to Mu and solve the problem of whatever evil shadowy. Cabal is stopping the people from leaving. They're going to help us? They're going to go liberate Mu. Whoa. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mutan. And she tells Mutan that because he was so smart with that fucking belt trick, that he's the smartest man who's like ever lived. And so it's going to be his job to uh, record the history of everything that's happened on this. Because he put that baby in warp drive? Yeah. Because he's so smart and good at everything. Clever. And like he also like, it was actually more about how he was able to disguise his thoughts the whole way. Yeah. Like, and didn't get caught by the, it, it, it is impressive. Sure. Yeah. He didn't get caught. They zapped his teacher. Mm-hmm. He's not even from this city, you know? Yeah. So it, it's his job to record everything, the whole history on these 
it, like permanent metal scrolls and distribute them everywhere throughout Mu so that future people can find out the truth of the poisonous sun and the truth of everything that happens there. This is, we'll bring this up later, but that's, this is the rock books. This is what will become okay. Richard Shaver's rock books. And so Mutan writes this history and distributes like thousands of them all throughout the world. Millions all throughout the fucking Mu when they get back, but they're not back yet. This is what Vanu t- uh, says to, to, to Mutan. We, the Nortans, have seen in your mind a vision of the far future, of a time on Mu when men shall be slaves of the degenerate sun around which it circles, of a time when they will be but mentally deficient savages living out a lifespan compressed to an irreducible minimum by radioactives. This may be a true vision, in part or in whole, for we may not succeed entirely on, in our mission. We may even fail. You know? Okay. I mean... I don't know what's going on back whatever year this this uh, story is supposed it's to take like 12, place. Twelve thousand or something. But um, never mind men being slaves to the sun. How about men being slaves to other men? Like, how are we going to be slaves to the sun? And what in what way? Well, because they, it determines our life or death. Yeah, it's killing everybody. They'd live forever if they weren't around an evil sun. Yeah, I yeah. guess. If we don't, we don't really know otherwise, though. What do you think? Well, so this presents well, it's the idea that philosophical question. It's the idea that remember how I said, like the the dis, disintegrative rays, like you know, dis, disintegrate your mind too, right? And it, that dis, that so is the so mind this, falling apart makes you crazy and evil. Okay, so then could there's this overlayer of like all of the evils of man are then caused by the sun. Yeah. So the sun is like the, the root of like what is in and by in, inflicting evil upon humanity. And by the the Daros, the disintegrative robots that are sabotaging the plan mm-hmm. to migrate, it's because they're caught in this feedback loop where the disintegrating rays warp their minds and make them evil because evil is the disintegrative impulse. Yes. And it causes them to sort of cause things to break apart. Yeah. No, I mean, like it's all disintegrative. Like, you know, it is that. Yeah. But like, as they go crazy, they do things to keep the rest of the people here, thus making more go crazy into a feedback loop. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, that's right, right. that's the slave. So like shit. the sun is like the ultimate evil of all evils. Like yeah. if you're gonna defeat like one bad guy, but it wasn't always. Like, okay. When it was new, it was just a clean fire that didn't produce the disintegrative rays. But it just okay. gets older and le- less stable. So then it starts burning other elements. It's not like sound science, but well, there in is a, a way, thing that's interesting because then the earth itself is kind of like a human human body. Like, or all yeah, the no, absolutely. on it are mm-hmm. like, okay, well, well, shit, we got to go, hop over to a new vessel. This one's, uh, this one's getting old and rickety, not working too well anymore. Yeah. It's weird that like Shaver describes the natural state of things as being able to constantly grow, but that well, stars yeah, do have a very macro scale, but stars do die in a natural yeah. state. Like it is their yes. natural state to die. But the sun is also described as a character. It never says like it's a conscious being at all. It's, it's said, it's not it's said just that. Ca- like having an effect on consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's wild that they haven't stars have an age, like stars naturally age, but creatures don't, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. an interesting tidbit or other do other creatures. No, nothing animals? does. That's why the just human. That's why like the devil's tower is a big tree because everything grows crazy. Oh, okay. the sun poisons everything. Like the the old sun poisons everything. Okay, so it's not a unique to man sort of phenomenon. No, that no, he's describing it's, it's natural state of life. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's it. 
a good distinction to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps gives us insight into Richard Shaver's mind and yeah. the way that he thinks about yeah, yeah. like I don't know. Again, this concept man's relationship is fucking to nature cool. and space yeah. and how he feels about like fellow men and earthlings in general. Seems like he really loves people. Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. But he's also scared of other people. He's scared of shit of a lot of a lot of yeah. people. Yes. Specifically it seems the um <laughs> like medical complex which makes sense yeah or like just sort of it seems bureaucracy in general yeah uh, systems in general don't get it people that don't have that insight into the underworld people doing their function into society right yeah so there's a big old note from the editor from ray palmer about how these judging from the information recorded by plato as received by solon he like he links the rock books that mutan mion wrote back to things that like plato and Plato said he saw regarding Atlantis and shit. And he writes this huge fucking paragraph, like speculating on this as if it's a real fucking thing. Again, it's just an example of like really like. I like that layer of immersion. Right. And they're really going for it. And I love that. I love that postmodern shit. But it's again, it's like, I mean, it's like War, War of the Worlds, right? In the 1930s. People thought it was real. Yeah. I've heard that that's kind of a myth, like not like, but like some people did. It's happened a couple times when people were like, what the hell is going on? Because people are fucking dumb. What are you going to do? There's a lot of people that believe a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. Like this was just like an an early attempt at like postmodern sci-fi in my Mm -hmm. view with Ray Palmer, who probably wanted to be a writer, but didn't maybe have the chops. So he became an editor and then, or maybe he didn't have the inspiration. So then he gets the inspiration, starts editing and rewriting and coming up with this fucking synthesis of this crazy shit. Um, because he's probably read so many sci-fi stories. He loves science fiction. And he probably is reading this and, and thinking, oh, this is a, a synthesis of so many different cool things. That or, or like, so this is this is so new. Or like, even just, I can make this mine. Yeah. Maybe th- like Richard Shaver be- did or, become his muse. Or he loves giant women too. Sure, he does. In fact, I guarantee it. Yeah. So Princess Vanu and the Nortan sexy Amazon army... And Mutan Mion and Arl, they get in their spaceships. They're going back to Mu. They're ready for war against something. Mm-hmm. The Daros, the, the bad shit. Yeah. They get back and uh, every, everything's calm at first. Like there's, there's nothing. They don't see anything. And as they get closer, they get a broadcast from the, like, the center of the planet. And it basically says like, we've got this planet held hostage. You take one step closer and... Uh, We'll start killing people. We'll just start killing everybody. Like, we'll do it. We swear to God. We're crazy Darrows, right? Whoa. And so Princess Vanu's like, call off the fleet, go home. And then as they're, Mouton's like, I couldn't believe it. We came so far. And then he gets a telepathic message from Princess Vanu. And she's like, Mutan me on. Because you're the best at everything that's ever been. You're going to take a, a little ship down as if you're just like coming back from a picnic on the moon. And you're going to go home and then I'm going to give you instructions somehow. Okay. So she sends him back. She gives him a little box. Okay. And back to like, Moo? Yeah. Okay. So that like they're orbiting Moo, Earth. They're orbiting Earth. And what did they get? So the message that they got from the Daros. Was that we'll kill everybody if you take that one step closer. That was a telepathic closer. message? It was a broadcast. It was a radio broadcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. With, it was done with a ray because everything's right. done with a ray. What is a ray? I don't fucking know. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So they have the same thing that the, the Ballard said yet. rays were. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, they, they have not like, seen the Daros yet. Okay. They don't know what's causing this shit. They think it's just okay. a corrupt government. They don't government. even know that it's a Daros yet. Right. They just think there are shadowy bad okay. people in the government. Okay. <laughs> so Mutan Mian gets on a little ship 
And he takes with him this box, the little box. Princess Vanu told him, you got to go home. Don't go to Taeon City. Go back to your parents' house. Just say you're done with school. You're coming back for a day. Turn on the TV and watch the news. You'll hear three irregular clicks at a certain point. When you hear that, open the box. So he goes home. He waltzes into his parents' house. He doesn't get detected because he's just another taxi coming from the moon or something. The fleet goes and hides. Yeah. He gets home. He says, what up, mom and dad? I was at school. Now I'm home. I'm going up to my room and watch TV for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 12,000 years ago in fucking sub-Atlan Lemuria. So he goes upstairs to watch TV. His mom's like, do you want any dinner? No, bye. She's literally, <laughs> it, that literally happens. It literally fucking happens. Like, do you, okay, can we, let's talk. I oh. made your favorite. I made yeah, me yeah, both. Yeah. Goes upstairs, watches TV. Everything's normal. There's nothing on the news about anything weird. Just another day in Taeon City. Mm-hmm. And then he hears the three clicks. Not at regular intervals, but three clicks. So he opens the box and he gets a holographic, like, psychic message, a thought message from Princess Vanu. She's like, Mouton, you did it. You made it in. What you got to do, put that box I gave you, put it on your head, put a hat on over the box. Oh, my God. Don't let the box fall off your head, Mouton. Oh. Go to this specific building, the control center. Just walk there. It'll be fine, but don't let the box fall off your head. So he puts the box on his head, puts a hat on over it. And he's like, bye, mom and dad. Okay. He fucking walks outside. But he, and then he sees everyone is sleeping. Like he walks outside and then all of a sudden it's like, there's no uh, cave cars. There's nothing, there's nothing going on. Yeah. He like goes to the elevator to go down to Taeon City. In his hometown. And it, yeah, in Subatlan. And he notices that the, the taxi operator, the el- taxi elevator operator is asleep. And he gets a message uh, from uh, from Princess Vanu being like, I put everyone to sleep. The box on your head, that's keeping you from being asleep. It's like Dark City or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great movie. It is. So he goes down to like the government building and there he finds the Darrows, the abandoned Darrows. They're these goblin fucked up, like City of ugly, Darrows. terrible things, these like, stupid things behind the controls at the like center tower of the government, right? right? Like I, um, I imagine them being out of mate, being made out of like a wet gray clay. Yeah, Just yeah, like yeah. Being like a weird texture. Yeah, sort of always wet. Very Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. So they're asleep too, though. Okay, good. And so Mutan Mion turns off the security system that will you know detect the fleet coming in, and then the mm-hmm. fucking sexy Amazon fleet comes on in, roping down from their spaceships, their space helicopters, and with fucking ray guns swinging in, just, and like there's an invasion. Then they wake up, and then shit's all crazy all at once, basically. It's like, how the fuck did they get a voice from deep inside? They realize there's a voice from deep inside the fucking Earth broadcasting to the abandoned arrows. They were people that went crazy and were abandoned by society. Yeah. Abandoned detrimental robots. Oh, so the Darrow. Darrow like, means detrimental robot. Yeah, yeah, but they're not actually robots. They're like just fucked up people. Yeah, yeah, okay. poisoned by the sun. Okay. Uh, and these specific ones have been abandoned by the rest of society and like left to breed and shit. And like, and they were, they were on Mouton's planet. They were being used. They were in the government control center okay. instead of the government people. Okay, so there's some on his on his world where there should have been like government air traffic controllers, he Uh found a bunch of Smeagles instead. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, oh my God, the government's controlled by... Yeah. 
Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then he hides as the Amazons come in. And then he, when the abandoned arrows wake up and they get a message from their leader and they're like, we don't know what happened. We didn't fall asleep. We don't know why it all got all fucked up. Well, then they get the message from the leader and Princess Fanu realizes that it's this like ancient Titan from down in like real deep in the earth. And he's been there for a long time. And he's like, he was a Titan. So he's huge. And so like huge and wise and powerful. So it's going to take him a really long time to get completely destroyed by the, by the sun's evil rays. Yeah. And so he's just this massive wizard motherfucker deep in the earth's core, like giving orders and controlling all the Darrows and shit. And he's the guy that's keeping everyone from, uh, from getting out of there. If you've ever seen full metal alchemist brotherhood, it's a lot like that. Um, so just to wrap this up, and then we can talk about it a bit. Yeah. They go in deeper into the earth, the whole army, and they find a horrific scene of like these Darrows, like with human meat and meat markets and their shitty shanty town cities. It's really gross and like honestly quite disturbing. And I'm not going to read any quotes from it. <laughs> like it's honestly, it's fucking horrific. Oh, come on. I didn't put it. I didn't pull any quotes, okay, fine. honestly. Um, All right. They're like all cannibals and they're just like, it's just, it's just, oh, it's, just it's super disturbing. Gross, terrible, just deviant behavior. It's, yeah, it's really fucked up. Um, mm -hmm. And Mutan thinks so too. And so does Princess ba Vanu. So there's a huge fucking battle. Tons and tons of people die, which is a real tragedy for the Nortan army because they could live forever because they live on a clean, dark planet. Right. So mm -hmm. death hits so much more. But Mutan saves the day some fucking how I forget why. Uh, and how they hoist up the huge fucking evil wizard with like chains and shit because he's so big and asleep and stuff for some fucking reason. Yeah. And that's that that stops the what was holding everybody on the planet. And so the Atlans, the Veriforms and the Titans migrate away from Mu Earth to a clean new sun 12,000 years ago. And Mutan Mion scatters his records of this all throughout the earth. Okay. So for the children of, of, uh, so where do we live now? Moo. Oh, we live on Moo. So we, so there's still Darrow's here underneath the earth or yes. what? Fuck. Yeah. We are the, Fuck. we're the ones, we're the descendants of the ones who got left behind. We're like for oh, some well, so reason. So we're all like deviants then. We're not, we're the poor bastards who have to age and die. And now why some people went crazy and some people didn't, I don't know. I really don't know. That sort of changes a bit by the, in a couple yeah. of next stories. Eventually, it becomes the technology that they're using underground that's like wow. powered by the evil rays that does it. But maybe it's because the sun is evil and they're but they're in caves. I don't fucking know. All right, interesting. All right, that's I remember Lemuria. Right. What a fucking story. Yeah, that th and that's that leaving was, out a lot of stuff too. That's leaving out a ton. Like that's a decent sized novella. That was a whole yeah. big ass issue of amazing stories. It was only that, and it was fucking long. Right. I mean, like that. Yeah, that took me two nights to to read, and I'm a pretty quick reader. Of course, I had to keep being like, "What the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> you can't do it for too long," you know. Yeah. So, people clearly were not ready for that style of fiction in uh, 1945 because a lot of them bought it, or at least pretended to. Mm. Right. And people loved it because it was something totally new. And adventurous and like it, 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 you know, nowadays if something like that got published, you'd be it's like, this is story. crazy. And it's also copying so much shit that came before. But this was one of the first. And like, that's really important. Yeah. So like, that's a big reason why I had such pull and impact is because at this point it was unique. Right. Mm -hmm. Star Wars wasn't going to come out for another 
30 years, right? For the second, yeah, for the second story, but people want to know, like, how did Richard Shaver come to experience this past life, which is what it was said, Ray Palmer called it a, uh, end quote, racial memory in I Remember Lemuria. Okay. It was 1945. Interesting. Well, in the next story, Richard Shaver says, I don't know why Ray Palmer said that was a racial memory. It was not. (laughs) He just kind of assumed that. I'll tell you how I came to got that. The next story is called Thought Records of Lemuria. Oh, okay. Yes. And this is Richard S. Shaver's like biographical, autobiographical story of how did I, Richard Shaver, not Mouton Mion, how did I come to know about this? Great, great, yeah. great. This one is some shit. Okay, I kind of want to smoke weed first. Yes, we should. <laughs> so yeah, so then the... Um, the dream team of Ray Palmer and Richard Sharp Shaver. They publish another novella explaining how Richard Shaver came to know all this shit. How he got the memories of Mutan Mion. Which is what we're all wondering. That's what we all right. know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure about half the audience is like, he made it up. It's what they all do. You know? Those writers. Like, sure. He made it up. I mean, it came from him. The story came from him. He did it at a desk. He just wrote it down. But does he believe it or not? Yeah. It's something weird. Sure does. A whole other can of worms. He sure does believe it. Yeah, he does. He sure fucking does, dude. To his detriment. To his his detrimental robot. Yes. Richard Shaver sure as shit believes this. And he writes this account of it called Thought Records of Lemuria. Mm-hmm. So, back in 1932, now this, you know, was published uh, in the late 40s, 45 or 46, something like that. Yeah. Um, 1932, Richard Shaver is uh, is working as a welder at, at an auto factory in Detroit, Michigan, right? Cool. He's probably breathing in a lot of fumes. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he starts, one day while he's welding, he starts hearing voices. Okay. Right? And it's... Oh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Because of all the loud sounds in there. All the oh, yeah. I was thinking of like some Havana syndrome, fucking electromagnetic yeah, waves no, and I'm shit. Just, there's probably so much ambient, chaotic yeah. in there that one's mind could very easily, when you get into that meditative working state, yeah, you start hearing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in static. That's one of the best places to hear it. So... Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he started like, he heard very specific things. He like heard a name. Raditz, I think it might have been. was the last name. I don't know why I should have written it down. He wrote, uh, yeah. I I have it right here. Oh, you do? I have the story pulled up. Uh, Hey, Joe Raditz. Right. Yeah. uh, Bring that dolly over here. Yeah. So he's hearing like, Joe Raditz, bring that dolly over here. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? He thinks that there's some like, fucked up acoustic thing going on. And so he goes to the foreman, like they're the the punch clock guy who punches in everyone's time. And he's like, hey, is there a Joe Raditz working here? And dude's like, flips through the book. Oh yeah, Joe Raditz. He works uh, down in uh, windshields or something. <laughs> and it's like on the other side of the factory. There's just n- absolutely no way yeah. He should have been able maybe to. Maybe he's heard someone say it before. Maybe. Who knows? Conversation, but he's yeah. thinking maybe the acoustics bounced in a weird way or something. Right. But then he goes back you and he's like, know. you know what? 
I was holding my welding. He, he, he goes back to welding. He's like, oh, that's weird. Happens again. He goes, motherfucker. And he's like, okay, I was holding my welding gun both times. If I just set this down and wait a bit. He does. And uh, he sure as shit starts hearing it again. About Joe Raditz? No. Now he's starting to hear other things. Okay. He's starting to hear, uh, like, one example he gave was a dude thinking some, like, thinking some piece of shit thoughts about a girl he knew liked him or, like, was in love with him and shit. Okay, so that's what he writes down is that he's hearing this other guy's thoughts. He thinks he's saying a, something at first, but then okay. you know, there are, I'm, That's I'm an interesting coming way of framing it. He has yeah. a, well, he has a realization. He's like, no one would, for he hears someone like talking shit to their foreman. And he's like, mm-hmm. no one would talk to their foreman like that. They sure would think it. Oh shit. Am I hearing people's thoughts? And then he hears like over a couple of days, I, I, like he, um, you know, he starts hearing a dude like talking shit in his head about a girl that is in love with the dude. And he's like, should someone tell her? No, I'd be such a weirdo for doing that. Am I going crazy? Yeah. He does like. So I, fu- just- I fucked that story up. Um, there is like that. That's not over one day. He does like get the welding gun sent in for repairs and then it keeps happening. Right. So and it's then like a, a slow. He's progressing into. Yeah. And the things he's hearing are getting weirder and weirder. Right. And I can understand like you would. Anyone would struggle with like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And he's. Wondering, like, I I think I'm going crazy. Yeah. Holy shit, it's actually thought. happening. Fuck. He's like, God damn it, this sucks. I don't want to go crazy. Mm-hmm. But then he starts hearing, like, torture scenes. Oh, God. From deep within the earth. What, like, screaming? No, plotting. Or, oh, plotting. Yeah, about, like, putting someone on a rack and stretching them until they're fucking Jeez. all broke. It's fucking think, gross. Do you think that's worse than hearing the sounds of, like, it actually happening? With with sounds, it could be ambiguous and you could maybe try to imagine other things in the place of it. But like. I think you can get desensitized to words more. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Tune out maybe. Yeah. But yeah, that's disturbing either way. Either any way you cut it. Well, he hears that and he goes, that's it. I quit. I'm out of this factory. Yeah, someone someone here's plotting to fucking torture people. There's fucked up shit going on. Yeah. Weird acoustics making me hear fucking things. I don't, I might be going crazy. Maybe they're plotting shit in the basement. I don't know. I'm out. And he quits and the time punch guy is like, are you sick? He's like, well, I got a headache. Got a bad headache. Hmm. He, it gets worse over the course of his trip home. Oh God. Like, yeah. While he's driving too. Uh, he's on a bus. Oh, okay. And I believe okay. he's staying at a hotel. Do you think it's, hmm. I wonder, would it get worse then with a bunch of people around him on the bus? Because there's so many minds. Maybe. Well, he's now in the place where he's starting to okay. hear shit about like the Darrow's underneath the okay. earth and shit. Yeah, and like his mind's going knows, underground. His, his he, radar's picking up. He knows he's shit. not supposed to know. Yeah. And that they do bad things to people who know who things. Know things. Yeah. Who, who can hear it. Who have the. He's. Gone full nuts by the time he gets back to his hotel room. Oh, shit. And then he says... Uh, and this oh, happens like over a week? A couple Happens weeks? over some days, I think. Okay. Um, but this is the final straw. Like, this is... I think he, he, he basically went dark from like 32 to 39. Like, he was just... That's the thing about it. Like, there was... After this incident, right here, he kind of disappears from having a job, doing anything. Like, he was just a vagrant for fucking seven years after this. Wow. Yeah. He was just a fucking homeless dude. Hmm. 
I mean, what I'm about to relay to you now is what he says happened. But uh, yeah, he has a dark seven years where we do not know, or at least I haven't read the biography yet, but the lore is we don't know what the fuck happened to him. There could be some clues years. in the other stories, though, about yeah. what happened to him. Well, get into it. So as he's gone completely nuts, he blacks out. He says, and quote, as I blacked out, I knew a faint glimmering of the truth. Somehow, by some weird super scientific means, unseen beings had caused this headache, possibly the same ones I'd heard talking that weird gibberish about the hotel, and that I'd brought it upon myself by asking questions. I revealed the fact that I had, I had been listening in, and it hadn't been a welcome discovery. The pain-filled blackness into which I sank now was proof of that. When I awoke, my headache was gone, but not my fear. I fled from Detroit as though the devil himself were after me. To no avail, I could not escape the voices. I heard them day after day, night after night. It went on for months until finally I had become more or less accustomed to them. Until I began to understand the whole horrible picture, and also came to understand the fate that was in store for me. The voices came from beings I came to realize were not human, not normal modern men at all. They lived in great caves far beneath the surface. These alien minds I listened to seemed to know that they had great power, seemed conscious of the fact that they were evil. However, they also seemed to think themselves infinitely clever. But the truth of the the truth of the matter was that they were obviously stupid. So how is he making these all of these deductions about where they live and where these voices are coming from and you know the origin? Of... I don't know. Okay. He's hearing snippets of conversation and shit. Yeah. He really says like I realized the truth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess confirmed by them saying shit he knows. Yeah. You know. Well, he learns that there are two types of these underground beings, the Darrow and the Tarot. The Darrow, D-E-R-O, are detrimental robots, and the Tarot are integrative robots. Integrative. Yeah. They have integration, whereas the Darrow have disintegration, right? They're structured and solid and growing. You know, they're, they're not evil. They're trying to avenge the evil that the Darrow do. Just accept it. It's silly shit. God. Um... So, just let's imagine for a second how awful this would be if you're like walking down the street and you're doing stuff and you're you're hearing this these weird voices and you're thinking thoughts, of course, in response to hearing this weird shit. You're like, yeah. "Wow, that's weird!" And then all of a sudden, you hear, "Oh fuck, he he can hear us." Yeah, like. And now these voices are also sort of narrating what you're doing as you're doing it and you can hear it like <sighs> that's really scary to me. It's super scary. Yeah, it um, sounds awful. Like can't shut it off either. Right. Like imagine if you need to, I don't know, go buy something and you're trying to have an interaction with the cashier, but these fucking things won't shut up. Yeah. Like, I mean, he like it just really fuck your life up. He says it was fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah, they started like plotting his destruction. Yeah. And like he learned that they uh they believe they cannot actually kill a surface man without first building up a frame for the killing that will make it appear either suicide or accident or death from natural causes. Wow, this is so much like gang stalking. Yeah. Like, and like it has to appear to be suicide or accident or natural causes right. because the tarot are compelled to avenge deaths that the Darrow uh, are responsible for. Yeah. So Richard Shaver, what's up? These are just really creative, paranoid. Yeah. 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 Or truths. We don't know. Well, I mean, they have all the hallmarks of paranoid, paranoid delusion. Yeah. Right. 
Like to a T, it's just painted well. Right. It's it's just in a new outfit. Mm-hmm. And it's a good outfit. <laughs> yeah. It's um, shiny. So he wanders as a vagrant for a fucking long time. He mentions that the Darrow killed his brother, but doesn't, but, and says it fucked him up for a long time, but doesn't mention how? how. He also says, like, talks about very briefly, like, mentioning the Darrow making him do bad things and shit. Oh, and I'm like, wow. what the fuck? I don't okay. think so, though. I don't think so. I'd like to know more about I would like to know more about that. Here, Here's his description of what it was like being a vagrant in like the depths of this, right? After that came the harpy hue and cry, which has for ages followed and caused the death of the best minds among surface men from persecution by their own kind. Daily it rang in my ears while I fled from city to city to escape it. Yet when my brother became involved and they killed him, I argued with myself that I must be having delusions, that his death was natural, that all this could not be without some mention of it in the papers or in books. I thought that was less about his brother's death and more about... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Seems like his brother died and he attributed the death to the Darrows. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He ends up in prison. Uh I'm pretty sure in Massachusetts, like right up like south, uh, southeast of Worcester. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting for us. He's yeah. like he was like super close. Yeah, that is um, interesting. He also says that the Darrow only let him live because his life was a burden to himself. Yeah, and his yeah, yeah. Was a delight to them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yikes. Yep, not having a good time. No. However, at the prison in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. he's in his prison cell. He gets picked up for vagrancy. He's a just a crazy dude, and he says like you know he's not acting crazy or saying anything crazy because he knows what the cops would do to crazy people. Yeah. Right. So he's like, I kept it to myself. I didn't say a That's fucking interesting. word. He can, Isn't like, it interesting? He has the awareness and control yeah. discipline to be able to shut it off and know yeah. that it's situationally inappropriate. He can't shut it off, but he can not, he doesn't have to act on Express, it. Yeah. He, right. He can like flatten yeah. um, the expression of it. It's not controlling him. Right. I don't think he just can't fucking think without this crazy yeah. shit. He does talk about like pain and pleasure rays that they hit him with and stuff. You know, saying, but he does describe his time in the prison as, or the, the jail. It's a jail. Uh, not a fuck. He's not in fucking maximum security prison. He's like yeah. locked up in a couple cell county fucking, he's in a fucking hobo drunk tank for a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Probably a good time for him. Well, it ends up being a great time. Yeah. It's like better than outside. So while in prison, he has a, a, a vision of this young lady appear to him, which he names, he refers to her by the name Nydia. And he says in the story, he says that it's a name he took from a Bulwer Lytton story. Oh, shit. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Wow. That is really interesting. Because was it Edward Bulwer Lytton? Yeah. Was it Edward? Yep. He wrote, um. The Coming Race. The Coming Race with the Vril. Vril. The Vril and the Vril, yeah. The underground yeah, Nazi yeah. people yes. magic Underground men. lizard, whatever. Yeah. Then morphed into the whole fucking Donald Marshall underground yeah, 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 yeah. center. Well, it mor- morphed into all the, like, this yeah, is one of the, that's one of the first things. It's part and of the underground web of, uh. Yeah. Another interesting thing. Conspiracies. Edward Bulwer-Lytton, his son, was governor of the British Raj. No. Over India. While Charles Ledbetter was running no. Theosophy. Yes. Okay, wow. Yup. Prominent member of Theosophy and at the I time. I know that Blavatsky was a big fan of Bulwer-Lytton as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Curious. Curious indeed. indeed. Yeah. So here's a quote about uh, Nydia. See if this reminds you of anything, too. She seemed clothed in a soft luminosity that threw 
rays of strangely invigorating light upon me as showing her strange, rich, otherworld beauty to me. She had hair of faintest golden tint, just off-white, and it lay smoothly drawn back from her brow and was caught at the nape of her neck with a ribbon that was a pale green, a green that had lain so long in darkness that it, lost it, it had lost its original color. Her eyes were very large and faintly blue. Oh. Her features were not out of the ordinary, but strangely and beautifully exaggerated. Oh. Her two large eyes, the delicate, utterly sensitive nose, the drooping, two large lips that were made for caresses they had not received. Her beauty was far from the standard variety one finds under the surface sun. She had the strange, wise quality men have sung of as the witch maids alone since time began. It's like some fae, like alien. Look up Lady Master Nada. Oh, yeah. oh well, yeah. He's describing the paintings of the original Ascended Masters from from the 1930s, glowing with the soft luminosity, the big, the 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 eyes that are too big, mm-hmm. the otherworldly beauty, and yeah, it is fae shit too, <clears throat> for sure. Yeah, well, just with like the um, the huge eyes and the, yeah. the delicate small nose and like the features that are not like humans, but are like similar, but exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. Like it's very sort of like, I don't know. Yeah. So all I could think of when I started hearing about the rays and then this this girl who's described with the soft luminosity and the blue two big eyes. I, and I was like, holy shit, Richard Shaver was in fucking Detroit. In the 1930s, mm-hmm. Detroit in the 1930s was where the I am activity played before they had enough people to go to Chicago without fear. Okay. There is a very real chance that Richard Shaver stumbled into an I am activity sermon or two or three. Yeah, you think? In Detroit. He's describing all this Ray shit. So were the Ballards at the same time mm-hmm. in the same place. Or at least like got some materials from them or something. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like he got that idea yeah. in his head somehow because he's describing like that type of character, mm-hmm. which is also like an angel. It's a lot like how Medimi from uh, uh, John D's story is. Um, but it's, you know, it's not conclusive, but just a pin, putting a pin there. We got more pins to go. So Nidia asked him, the hologram Nidia asked him, do you want to be free? And he's like, yeah. Of course, more than anything, more than anything in the world. Like, and she's like, okay, so Nydia, she's our angelic, ange- guide woman in our jail, angelic love interest. Yeah, they Have like she starts cuddling with him at night. Sometimes she's real solid. Sometimes she's a hologram. Okay. Just you know, reestablishing where we are. Yeah, he's we're in jail. Nydia's yeah. appearing to him <laughs> and keeping him company. And as as she shows up, he gets better. Mm-hmm. Like he's he doesn't hear the torture anymore. He doesn't hear the bad shit anymore. Yeah, he he's free. Did his guardian angel. His guardian wife. Yeah. They love each other. They're in love. Like Same way as... Blue fairy from yeah. Pinocchio. Yeah. Well, she asks him after they've been cuddling for a couple nights in jail, I guess. Put do you want to be... Do you want to be free? I don't think she can. Um, <laughs> he's like, yeah, fuck yeah. She's like, all right, I got you. And as, as proof that this is going to work, I'm going to leave my ribbon with you. And then she leaves a solid ribbon in his jail. And, just, and he's like, I had my mind blown. I don't know how she did that. I thought she was a hologram. Then wow. she just left her ribbon. Yeah. And then that night, the fucking guards come, the police, they just come in. They just unlock his door. They let him out. And he says that they looked like hypnotized, like they weren't really. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just late and he was like, he he didn't have any space in there or something. He didn't have any warrants. Yeah. He wasn't a criminal. He was just a homeless dude. So like, they let him right. out. Yeah. We're going to use this cell for someone that could act- actually needs to be in here. Yeah. And they were like, tired and they don't think of him as a person. So they looked hypnotized. Yeah. Right. 
Like it was just his time to go. It was his time. They let him out. And he's got his little ribbon. Yeah. And then so he gets starts getting thought messages from Nydia to he makes it back to this into the woods, to this rock face, to this cave. I don't know how far it is. I don't care. There's moss over, like hanging on the door of this cave. It's like a secret door. And like it uh it opens and he sees Nydia standing there. He realizes she's blind, but she oh. loves him. And they kiss. It's part of why it she was loves like, him. Yeah, 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 yeah def- definitely. No. And they're immediately in love. And he looks like shit at this point. Yeah. I guarantee it. He probably smells worse than he looks. Oh my God. I don't want to think about how Richard Shaver smells at this point. Mm. No. And now they're in this cave and she's like, yeah, I'm part of the, I'm part of the tarot. Like we're, we're the descendants of like a part of Lemuria from long ago. We got all this crazy technology up in here. The Darrow are the half of our race that went fucking crazy with the poison sun's rays and they mutated into these weird goblin creatures that like wow that have this whole literal hell underground where they torture the humans that they kidnap mm-hmm. and they keep them alive and they can keep them alive for like 20 years until they totally disintegrate into ash after being tortured for 20 years in the literal hell underneath our feet wow yeah that's what she tells tells them about and she says that like they gotta fight back like they you know this can't go on. They're evil. It's bad. It's not good. Yeah. She says that the Darrow and the Tarot neither could live without the the beneficial force rays of the elder that the elder race had lived had had left there. All right. This is what she says about like that. What made the Darrow the Darrow? In truth, they could have they could not have lived save for the protection and beneficial force rays of the elder race that had once lived there. Small wizened imps, goggle eyed. Their goblin appearance was that of walking dead men. And dead they would have been except for the synthetic body electric, which the ancient generators of life force pour through their bodies forever. Creepy. So they're almost yeah. like reanimated? Yeah, bit? they're like reanimated, go- goggly-eyed goblin Yeah. zombie That force. like don't even think for themselves even? No. They're just animalistic and fucking crazy. Fucking gross. Yeah. And again, this is... A couple and years like before cave dwellers too. Yeah, so they're like really, you know. And this is a couple years before Roswell, and the idea of the gray goggle-eyed alien really entered mm-hmm. the public consciousness. I mean, yeah, of course, like and also Crowley I love drew the that shit. It's, a, it's an idea that's been that, around forever. That she has these gigantic eyes. Yeah, that and she's are, blind. That are unseeing. Yeah, that just yeah, yeah, like yeah. sort of gaze at you blankly because she can't. She yeah. can't really look at you because she's like the undead. Yeah. Like, even well, her, she's, she's the good tarot, undead. But yeah. yeah, like that's so, I don't know, something that has gigantic eyes but can't even use and them. And isn't that interesting? Like, it's almost like it's they're just there to give the appearance of something pleasing to him. Yeah. Continuing on, though, about the Daros. The Arabs knew them as Afrits, he writes. Now, that's interesting. That's a misspelling. That's a, that's a, a fuck up of Ifrit, I-F-R-I-T. And I definitely didn't pronounce that right, but... Yeah. I was trying to pronounce the, the different spelling. And an Ifrit is not the um the summoned creature from Final Fantasy. Ifrit uh referred to an entire class of uh like chaotic, rebellious uh they're not I don't know if they're actually jinn, but they're part of Islamic mythology. Okay. Or yeah. Yeah. They're they're part of uh Islamic mythology. And like a lot of that stuff, it's messy and means different things at different parts. At some points, it's like a leader of of the jinn. Some points, it's a class of 
supernatural rebellious beings, yeah. almost like demons and like they're kind of fiery and like chaotic, you know, very devil, devilly, right? Okay. Uh, and that's like, that's what Shaver's talking about or like Palmer, if he threw that in there. That's just face stuff again. That's the the whole idea that everyone, every culture has uh, the other, the alien that right. uh, that occupies Earth with them at the same time. Yeah, but and is I not them. So does every person almost. We have certain, I don't know, like certain monsters resonate more with different yeah, people. Yeah. Certain fears resonate more with different people. Oh, for sure. Like, and this is. This is Richard Shaver's sort of like shadow side, like what he this is what torments him. Yeah, specifically. I wonder. But I wonder if that was like why it was so easy for people to pick up on this, because the idea of Faye and Jin and yeah. and all this shit has been around for so long and might be true. Well, who knows? Indeed. So she tells uh, Nydia tells Richard Shaver all about these fucking guys. Right. And she tells him, too, that. uh like he's not the only person that has been in contact with these, either the tarot or the the darrow. Although he is one of the special ones. Like, yeah, there's not been any sane good people who have been able to handle the truth. Just so how they just needed a crazy man, right? right? Yeah. But the darrow, though, they do uh, reach out and talk to people as well as kidnap and torture them. Well, See, yeah, check this out. Uh, they, the darrow, were instead lisping into the straining ears of some of the most influential tycoons of the surrounding surface industrial era, er, area. The lies they told, I learned later by myself, reading the minds of some of the rich, that many of them believed in the power and efficiency of the secret ray of America. Whoa. Which they thought was a service like the FBI for the purpose of searching out escaped convicts, bank robbers, extortioners, kidnappers, etc., to these tycoons, the Ray Darrow from the Hidden Caverns posed as a secret service, hard at work, solving several murders and robberies they had committed themselves. Does that remind you of anything? The Ray of America. Yeah. The secret service. Right, right. Also, Detroit, 1930s. And also internal corruption. Yeah. It's like a, a theme going on there. It's very, very paranoid, but also not entirely incorrect, but also very incorrect. Right, right. Just just a lot going on here. Just <laughs> Well, I mean, I was I was super pulled to the reading the minds of some of the rich that many of them believed in the power and efficiency of the secret ray of America capitalized. Like to me, that yeah. is I mean, fucking Saint Germain, the Chohan of the seventh ray, the ray of America, right? Right. That's a thing that's going on in Detroit in the 1930s. And I mean, all over the country too. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's another like, that's a ping again right. at the I am activity stuff. It's right there. I mean, like location wise, he's right next to it. This is going on at the same time. So this is like, and I through, also, for whatever reason, it's that fly. Does he know that the Ascend Masters right. are evil? I think he does. I don't know. I have to imagine he's also... I mean, he's read some shit about Lemuria somewhere. Oh, absolutely. So he like like he, theosophy is in there. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if he got it through that, or it, if he got it from some story that referenced that, or if he's a Bulwer Lytton fan. And, he's definitely a Bulwer Lytton fan. Yeah, he, yeah. And being such, <clears throat> he probably would have gone if he was crazy enough to make or not crazy. If he was sane enough to make his own decisions, I mean, dude, he was right next to him. He could have just yeah. been walking on a fucking Sunday and heard Guy Ballard's mellifluous voice. Like, it was right there, mm -hmm. and it sounds like it. It'd be weird if 
there wasn't a connection. Yeah. You know, but I don't think he likes it. I think he's creeped out by it. Yeah. You know, he's like the idea of the tycoons that are being whispered to by the secret ray about the secret ray of America, but it's these evil undead fuckers. Well, I'm getting like communist vibes from him too. Or I mean, like, he's an artist, man. Yeah. Like he doesn't, he's not one of those I mean, fuckers. Right. He doesn't like Nazis. Yeah. He's seeing the spiritual Nazism that's taken over uh-huh. fucking America and it's turning, it's filtering into his interpretation of a fucked up underworld. Right. His, just like we did. Yeah. Right. Oh man. There's these dark mechanisms at work that are sort of pulling the levers. And perhaps within a specific yeah. philosophy that was fairly prominent. And they're fucking dumb. And they're fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big thing. They're obviously very stupid, he keeps saying. So, (sighs) Nydia tells Richard that they got to fight him. And to fight him, Richard, because he's the best there's ever been, just like Mutan Mion, he's got to learn about the secret history of the world. And so she takes him into uh, this room, which he describes as... um, The space within the mountain was an Aladdin's cave, beautiful beyond a modern man's imagination. The hall where Nydia next led me, saying it was a hall where the group met for any social purposes, was pillared by mighty metal simulations of trees hung with crystalline, glittering fruits. And in in this room, there's this crazy chair. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yes. It looks like a dentist chair, but not as, like, frightening. But it's like a, it's a machine-type chair. It's a magic tech chair in a glittering cave of wonder to learn the secrets of the universe. Okay. Yeah. This is like a thing too. It's a magic chair. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, that's in Unveiled Mysteries, the Ascension chair, but like it's, I mean, there are other, maybe I'm trying to draw this together too much, but I think there's something there, man. Yeah. I really, really do. I'd be so surprised if there wasn't. It just sounds, it just, it's hitting those vibes for me. Well, this chair is actually like, it's a um, ancient Lemurian tech where you can record lives on these like scroll looking things in these vacuum tubes. And then you can sit in the magic chair and experience other lives, whole other lives, just like going to a movie or something. Right. Sick. And so he has to learn about some fucking some lives. And right here, this is the greatest shit I have ever read in my fucking life. Okay. This so is the coolest thing. In his other lives. Okay. First one, he's just one of the first uh, Atlans, the first Lemurians to get to Lemuria and, and colonize. It's nothing special. He's not Mutan yet. Not Mutan yet. Mutan is, is later. But then he's like, that was fucking wild. Was I that guy? Was that me? And she's like, no, that was just a book we got. You read it. That's that's what it's like to read a book in Caveland. And he's like, all right, hit me with another. And she hits him with another. He wakes up as... This huge, muscly warrior man on a ship flying through the sky. He is Bar Mahat of Thor. Oh. A descendant of the fucking Norse god Thor. Now, this is back when the world was young and the sun was clean and everything grew giant. Yeah. And never stopped growing. Big rippling muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Bar Mahat has a fucking problem. Uh Uh-oh. He likes to gamble too much. Probably does. Well, it's not that. Jormungandr, the world serpent, the world that, oh, the worm that, that wraps around the earth. 
Okay. He's love a good worm. Described it. It's like that's the that's from Norse mythology, and this is like literally real. It's an alien fucking worm that is so old and ancient that it has grown around the earth, and it's like one become too big of a problem. Pun, you know, intended because he's just fucking huge. He's like, he's like, he's over most of Africa at this point. Yeah. People are running out of places to fucking hang out and eat, have picnics. Right. Too much worm. Second problem is that he started going a little nuts. Started smashing shit up. Don't really know why, but the worm's gone crazy. And he's like covering a, a lot of Africa. He's big boy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big boy. And being this worm is getting aggressive. Yeah, he's starting to go a little crazy. Oh, they shit. they were always friends. Like the Atlans and Jormungandr okay. were always always friends. Uh-huh. They had a steady peace. It had been getting to be a problem. Like, dude, he's getting too big. Like, what do we do? They were forbidden to kill him, though. It's like, what the fuck do we do about this? Is he going crazy? We can't have this. So Barmatot goes and talks to Jormungandr, uh, and he describes like all these other giant beasts from mythology and shit. Mm-hmm. As being literally real and like having these like clever ways of like making them believably real by like one or two little tweaks and stuff. It's a neat thing. Like Jormungandr yeah. is described very Lovecraftian as like coming from another star, like some weird fucking alien worm that came out of the sea and started, rap- you know, wrapping every- itself around everything and shit. It's fucking wild. It's so cool. So Barmatat of, of Thor goes down and talks to Jormungandr. He's like, dude, why are you fucking shit up? And Jormungandr's like, why don't you come talk to me anymore? We used to be good friends. Now you just ignore Aww. me. I'm, I'm running out of food. Like, what the fuck, dude? <clears throat> and Barmatat's like, man, I'm sorry. I know, like, we've been we've been busy, dude. I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. And you're yeah, just like, oh, yeah, I understand. I understand. Well, also, there are these there are these weird other aliens, like, on the other side of uh, Africa. There, they kind of. They came to me and they would talk to me and they asked me to fuck up some of your shit uh, for them. And I was bored and pissed. I'm hungry because I'm huge and I'm running out of food. Yeah. So so I did. And Bar is like, oh, Jormungandr, what am I going to do with you, Mr. Worm? <sighs> well, listen, I don't want to hurt you. What if, what if we can take your brain and put it in a vat and send it to another planet so you can get, you can start again and get all big again and like have a whole planet to yourself and shit. Whoa. And like, you have people to talk to you the whole time. He's like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it, bro. Let's roll. And Bar's like, also, you want to help us fuck up those, those other aliens? And he's like, yeah, bro, I got you. And so now the descendant of Thor <laughs> has the help of this worm that stretches around the world to go fuck up the ancestors of the Darrow. On the other side of Africa. And they do. Cool. And I'm here for it. I'm so fucking here for it. Here's what Jorman Gander says. I should like read the quote because it's this is actually written well. Like strange offlanders came over my seas in great ships and hovered long, sending me their promises of many dreams as you have done. But they did not ask my death, Barmahat. They asked my living aid. I learned somewhat of their dreams and their dreams are not my kind of dreams. Bar of the old line of Thor. There is no light laughter, and there are no gallant young ones with them. Their lives have been miseries of everlasting warring. I want no part of such wretched dreams. But they had a ray which can put upon any part of my body, and through that ray they control me. Oh yeah, he was controlled by the bastards. Likely story. 
So when I gave no consent to their supplications, they forced part of me to lay waste such portions of Africa as lies between the two great rivers. So if you seek them out where they have hidden themselves within the dark lands, you will know whence any coming trouble sources. And then he agrees, I'll go, send me the first... Then you shall send me the first dreams for which I yearn in my now empty existence. After I have had my fill of dreams, I shall let your technicians take my brain and preserve it as you have said. Someday I shall again live in liberty in the body of another serpent on some greater planet. Yes, Barmahat, I agree. Wow. It's fucking great. That's so, righteous. It's I love so this good. Story. This part of the story is <laughs> wow. so fucking good. Oh my God. So they go to war. They go to war. They, they realize that like, oh shit, there's these fucking fucked up lizard aliens on the other side of Africa. They're yeah. not men at all. They're fucking... When they go to invade, the, the Darrow army comes too. The ancestors of the Darrow. And they've got mammoths, titanotheres, titanosaurs, dinosaurs, huge and huge serpents. Yeah. So an army of fucking war dinosaurs and mammoths and fucking the dinosaur have goddamn ray guns strapped to their backs. Fuck yeah. Fighting the descendants of the Nordic gods. Oh my God. Which are the Atlans. It's just like iron... Well, it's, it's not just like, but it's Iron Sky has Hitler riding a T Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. They're like coming. They're facing down. It's like Norsemen, Atlan men, or whatever the fuck. I don't know what they're actually called in this. Uh, they're getting their ranks like chewed apart by these dinosaurs with fucking ray guns strapped to their back, and yes. the Darrow over Africa, and then, end quote, over our cowering heads reared the vast bulk of the worm. No metal to complete a circuit in that engine of destruction. His curling mile-long tentacles lashed out, and every beast they touched was caught up, crushed, and tossed aside, a menace no longer. He was the most awe-inspiring being I have ever seen, with the great moons of his eyes reflecting his fierce battle joy. One could almost hear the thought in his vast dragon head. After all these dull, uneventful centuries, what bliss to fight again for the sons of the friends of my youth. Yea, it is good." From the throat of Garm, a great rumbling roar issued and seemed to shape into words. On, Atlans! On, Atlans! Jormungandr, the Lovecraftian world serpent, just fucking smashing dinosaurs with ray guns with his mile-long tentacle. I love this. Holy shit. It's the greatest thing I've ever read in my life. Yeah. Greatest thing I've ever read in my life. It's really good. And, like, after that, that's the... That's the climax of Thought Records of Lemuria, right? After that, he, you know, he ends it with, as matters now stand, like he said, he says, oh, and this is where Mutan Mion came to, Ray Palmer got it wrong, blah, blah, blah. And he says, as matters now stand, I have become one of the underworld of those who have been called trolls, gnomes, and goblins in the old days. We are the same today, and still my friends here fear surface men, for men cannot, man cannot understand or believe any other form of human life but his own, and they fear us greatly when they learn of our existence. It is full time that mankind awoke. I live on only in that hope. Until then, I bid the surface earth farewell. I remain here in the caverns, absorbing the wisdom against that day, and loving as only those can love who live under the rays of the ancient mech, my little blind maiden. My little blind maiden. He has a weird relationship with his love interests. Very. It's, it's strange. I don't appreciate it. Not none human. So while that was awesome, Right? Like, it's a great story. Yeah. Especially Thought Records of Lemuria. I love it. I love it. Um, now people start writing into the magazine Amazing Stories saying they've experienced this shit too. This exact shit. The same type of people. The same stuff. They've seen it. Tons of people start doing this. Uh, a bunch of sci-fi nerds got together and like wrote a appeal to get like Shaver Stories banned because they were driving people insane. <laughs> yeah. 
These shaver stories are bad for our kids. They're like, going to go crazy. Yeah, this happens over the course of a, a few years, right? Palmer, Ray Palmer never backs down. Ever. From yeah. like, this is real. We checked his source. And no, it's real. He never fucking backs down, ever. In fact, when- Checked in, his source. We talked to the worm. Yeah, we talked to the fucking worm. Yeah. When the sci-fi nerds win and they- like the owners of Amazing Stories are like, we're not publishing Richard Shaver anymore. Ray Palmer quits in solidarity. Like he's he was the face of Amazing Stories, and he just like fucking like, you're firing Shaver, you're firing me too. Fuck you. Yeah. Like he was he was with this guy to the end, and he kept publishing him in other other magazines shit too. You know he would even publish like critical letters and then refute them, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like he was getting more. Well, I don't know if he was getting more. Uh, believing letters than critical letters, but one letter in particular, I think is responsible for solidifying this shit's place in the conspiracy paranormal world. Okay. One day, Ray Palmer gets a letter from a man named Fred Chrisman. Okay. Tell me, tell me more. Fred fucking Chrisman. This is a guy. This is the first time we've ever said his name on this show. It's not going to be the last. Fred Chrisman. All right, put him on the corkboard. Oh, yeah. Fred Chrisman is one of those fucking dudes that shows up around a lot of weird things. From the Maury Island uh, UFO incident to being some, uh, being called to trial uh, in the... Being called to, called to the Clay, Tra- Clay Shaw trial, you know, that was about fucking the death of John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, he is believed by some conspiracy theorists to be one of the dudes on the grassy knoll, one of the the three tramps, as it were. And an analysis of like the picture showed that this dude, Fred Chrisman, who shouldn't have been there and had an alibi, like was one of the only suspects who could possibly have been one of the dudes in the photo. So he's part of the JFK assassination conspiracy theory. He was an Air Force pilot. He's part of the Maury Island UFO incident. He was a low level. He tried to be a politician when he. Uh, he was a radio show host okay. in his later years. Is and Fred tried to Christman be the Saint? Is, is he Saint Germain? I don't think so, because he died fairly young because I bet he smoked and drank a lot. And he's been involved in a lot of shit. He's been involved in a lot of shit. I saw some some dude online describe him as like the most serious spook. Well, you know, he's he has a legend status in the conspiracy world because of how how weird it is when he shows up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely a spook, man. Like he was definitely... There's no way he was too involved in everything. And there's no, this is the letter he wrote to Amazing Stories about his experience with the strange creatures described in the Shaver mystery. This is in June, 1946. I flew my last combat mission on May 26th, 1945, when I was shot up over Bassane and ditched my ship in Ramaray, uh, in Ramaray Roads off Shedub's Island. What the fuck is this? I was missing five days. I requested leave at Kashmir. I and Captain deleted by request left Srinagar and went to Rudok and then through the Kahesa Pass to the northern foothills of the Kabakoram. We found what we were looking for. We knew what we were searching for. For heaven's sake, drop the whole thing. You were playing with dynamite. My companion and I fought our way out of a cave of submachine guns. I have two nine-inch scars on my left arm that came from wounds given, given me in the cave when I was 50 feet from a moving object of any kind in perfect silence. The muscles were nearly ripped out. How? I don't know. My friend has a hole the size of a diamond in his right bicep. It was seared inside. How? We don't know. But we both believe we know more about the Shaver mystery than any other pair. You can imagine my fright when I picked up my first copy of Amazing Stories and see you splashing words about the subject. Do not print our names. We are not cowards, but we are not crazy. Sir, 
What are you doing there? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Describing like the, I, I believe that's in like the Himalayas and shit. Like, you know, the caves where all the spooky shit goes down, right? Yeah. Why is this motherfucker who's at the Clay Shaw trial, who's at the Moore Island UFO, you know, suspected of, you know, I don't know what I think about the JFK shit, but like a lot of people think it was this guy that pulled the trigger on JFK working for the CIA, right? He's, why is he writing this about the Shaver mystery? Is he just a sci-fi fan? Ah, maybe, maybe he's just having a laugh. He doesn't seem like a guy who laughs though. Like, yeah, he goes on to be an ultra right wing fucking angry talk show host. Yeah. Then he went to teach after the fifties and he was in the 1968. He was uh, on trial for shit at the, you know, involved JFK assassination. Weird fucking dude. We don't know why Richard Shaver is, or why Fred Christman is writing in about this. We do know that that story definitely helped bolster other people saying that it was real. Yeah. And the stories continued until they eventually just fizzled out by 1950 after they'd been kicked by, uh, from Amazing Stories. People wanted different shit. They got tired of the same stuff, you know. Uh, Richard Shaver became a, a farmer in Wisconsin. He spent the last part of his life collecting rocks that he said were the books left uh, behind by Mutan Mion, the records of the the war. Mm-hmm. Um, he also painted and like found some recognition pos- like, after his death as an outsider artist. Yeah. You know, his yeah, paintings people, are decent. Like, and-, and the covers of these amazing stories uh, editions are really good. Did he too. do those? I don't, well, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, but they're just like but, a great yeah. piece of memorabilia. Yeah, they really are. It's um, awesome. The whole vibe is so super entertaining. Yeah. And like, again, I'd like to do a full biography of him some point in the future. The, the Shaver mystery did fizzle, but it kept a little bit of an influence. We see it in a lot of the things in the, the high strangeness places, the people that are still talking about Mothman and fuck Ascended Masters and, mm-hmm. and all this shit. It's part of that canon, although a in the background part of it. And with the Shaver mystery, I feel like we run into the same problem we see time and time again with this stuff. Thinking these, like thinking these stories are literally true is fucking stupid. Like it's, it's not. Yeah. It's just not. So, t- but so too is thinking that just because this was an act of schizophrenic journaling combined with postmodern fiction before the world was ready for it. Um, it doesn't invalidate any and all weird experiences associated with the Shaver mystery. What's going on here? Why did Fred Christman insert himself? Why does Richard Shaver describe Nydia just like the goddamn uh, master's portraits? For that matter, what's with the Ray of America stuff? For that matter, why does Shaver name drop Bulwer Lynn, who wrote about the Vrilya and the coming race and all this shit? Again, why the fuck is Christman here? Roswell happened two years after these stories got published for the first time, and it came with the great, it brought the gray aliens into public consciousness. Even though it's a very different legend, these aliens are very different than that other. There are currents that we can like trace through these things. And it's it's a it's one of those places where a lot of these influences and shit coalesced. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a it's an inflection point of all like these these weird underground half fiction, half not metaphorical, magical currents of Western society. Definitely. Right. And you know, we talked about the the book The Secret Cipher a little bit on the Injured Cold episode. And the idea of fiction and its role in in magic and mm-hmm. and uh, and it has quite a large role. Yeah, and like I mean, I'm going to say this is like my take on the tarot card we pulled too. Art. Yeah. Right. Now I've been thinking of magic as it, it, another way you can describe it is applied fiction. How many times have people said that fiction can change lives and change the world? It's like every English teacher in every cheap movie says that, right? 
mm-hmm. Peter Lyon. But like in many ways, I feel like a lot of the Western magical tradition is the study of the mechanics of that moment where fi- when fiction changes something real. How does that work? Like what is the and how can we reverse engineer that and to cause change just through lies, essentially, yeah. through imagine uh, imaginary things that impact the real world. And like, I think that the the way to at least the reason for me like to be interested in this shit is not about it being what what is true about this bizarre bullshit. It's what true things can we learn from right. this yeah, bullshit. Exactly. Right? It's not an either or true or not. It's like this doesn't come from nowhere. Yes. This I represents agree. a synthesis of things and a, a combination of, of all these other currents filtered through just uh, two fucking weird dudes trying to write some sci-fi and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fucking wild. Yeah, I honestly, I, I have the Shaver mystery pulled up. I mm. really want to read it. Like what it's, we're done. It's hard. It's it's not easy. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm interested. I th- it's super worth it, though. See, you start to see a lot of influences that you'll pick up on. It is hard to read, though. It is uh-huh. like. Oh boy. Yeah. It's wild. And I just thought it was just a, a, an, out, an odd thing that tied into some other themes we've been talking about and shit. Yeah. It's late. It sure is. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, thank you for listening. Yeah. Listen to us again. Please do. Don't listen Follow to us those on the places. Daros if they're telling you creepy, crazy stuff. Don't listen to Darrow voices in your head. Listen to our voices in your head. Yes. Uh, Say that we love you. Yeah. And yet you should... Leave us a nice review on, on the places you leave reviews. That's not like some weird mind control instruction or anything. It's just, yeah, just a suggestion. We'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Helps a lot. And uh, Happy New Year's. I don't know actually know what date this is coming out. Could be like the first one of the <laughs> yeah. year or... Happy New Year anyway. It's a new year. It's a new year. How are we doing? We're doing good. We're it's a good one. We're doing good. It's That's cold. That's fucking... Yeah. All right, guys. Peace out. Peace.